Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today we're finishing the series I started yesterday with Correcting the King. When is it time to stand up in front of your people, your congregation, and tell what's wrong with our nation, what's wrong with the decision? Still love the government, still love the people in it, love the people you're preaching to, but yet preach the truth of the Word of God. We'll talk about it from the Word of God today. We have a lot to get into. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We're going to take up today where we left off yesterday on what I'm calling correcting the king. And there are times when we in ministry and you as individuals, born again, spirit-filled, love Jesus, go to church, have to speak up about what's going on within our own country and even with our own leadership in our nation, I think becoming more and more evident that there's an, there is an agenda behind everything you see going on. And it's time we speak out on the word of God. Because listen, honestly, they can have all the agendas they want to. I speak out against it now, but I'm trying to warn people it's going to be okay in the end for those who have trusted Jesus. For those who know Jesus, there is a rapture coming, but, but Christians don't sit down and do nothing and wait for the rapture to come. We are to occupy until he comes. In fact, that word occupy is a military term where, uh, where an army goes in and occupies a land. We are supposed to occupy this land and we give them the gospel until the day we're taken out. But again, make the most of every single day. You've been born for such a time as this. Don't fear the day you're living in. This was custom made for your time period or you were custom made for this time period. So again, we have that. This is what God is wanting us to understand. And I took up a bunch of scriptures, just a number of them, and I'll, I'll re-mention them right now, where the gospel is being preached. And so something is quoted in it about the generation they're living in at that time. Of course, this happened throughout the Old Testament with the prophets of the Old Testament. But on the day of Pentecost, the very day the church started, listen to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Here Peter says with many other words, this means he preached a long sermon, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. The Greek word means filthy, stained or polluted, not just a stain you can wash out, something that's difficult to wash out, something that is filth off the streets. And he's saying, that's what this generation is like. You, we get stained from you. Everywhere you turn, your stain is everywhere. People have a hard time getting rid of it because you're always in our face. You're always preaching this, whatever type of gospel it was. It was following the law, but also uh, turning against it, just humanity and the rights of humanity. We see it happening today. And so here Peter did it. It's all right to call this present generation exactly what it is, polluted and perverted. We also need to be on the streets of the world giving the message of salvation first and then truthfully telling this generation what they look like and what their beliefs are in the sight of the Lord and of us who are born again and those of us who want to follow Jesus Christ. Correcting our nation and the king is not our main ministry, but it is part of it. I want you to understand that. The main thing Jesus left us here to do was to preach the gospel, take it into all the world. Again, see them saved. He that believes and uh, you know and, and is baptized will be saved. But number two is take also this teaching to the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I, Jesus, have commanded you. Speaking out against sin in public and to churches is found throughout the New Testament. Matthew 17, Jesus said of that generation in uh, 
Matthew 17, 17, oh, faithless and perverse. And this perverse means twisted generation. You've been twisted. You started with the truth, but you've twisted. Your life has become twisted. Your viewpoints have become twisted. Oh, faithless and twisted, perverted generation. Matthew 12 and verse 39. Jesus speaking here says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. In other words, well, just do a miracle for us. They were wanting Jesus to entertain them. And I want you to notice two words, evil and adulterous. Evil is a reference to unbelievers. Adulterous is a reference to believers who have now become carnal. He now says, you unbelievers and believers, you evil and adulterous generation, you seek after a sign. You need to get away from always being to see something because why? You're not gonna get saved by what you see. You're not even gonna get saved if you can do these things but never trust in Jesus Christ. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? He'll say, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. In other words, even if you do, and if you could work miracles, it had to be through demonic forces, of course, and even do it in the name of Jesus, like the seven sons of Sceva tried to do. He says, I'm going to say to them, I never knew you. Acts chapter two and verse 15, here in that same sermon of Peter, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of this crooked, that means bent or warped and perverted generation. Acts chapter four. Verse 19 and 20, here in this verse of scripture where the disciples are talking to, Peter and John are talking to the leadership of the uh, Jews, the uh, Pharisees, they said, whether or not to hear you and do what you say more than God, you become the judge. They said, you've put us in a position to where you're saying this and God is saying this. Up until now, whatever God has said, you have pretty much said yourself. When government lines up with the word of God, we simply do what the government says. When government might ask us to do something and we can't find it in the word of God, then you should still pretty much do it. But when you have government opposing the word of God, they says, you be the judge of that. Which you think we ought to do? Obey God or obey you? Well, especially since these guys were religious, they would have to say God, but they just got mad at him, wouldn't even answer the question. So again, we have here that we stand up for God in the midst of the world. And even when we're brought before leadership of a nation, Philippians 2.15, here's what Paul is preaching to a congregation. And he said that you are now in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And here the Philippians were outside of Israel. This was Gentile country. And he was saying, the same thing there. Where we left off yesterday was we went to the story of Elijah and Elijah had stood before King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and declared that there was going to come a three and a half year drought to the earth. God was going to withhold the rain because of the unbelief of the people, which simply meant, he said, for three and a half years, if they would have repented before then, turned their hearts to them, to God, God would have changed this whole thing. But he simply said, that's the limit that we're going to go with for three and a half years to show you that he is God and you're not. And so, of course, we started in 1 Corinthians 18, 10, and we found out Obadiah was prophesying to Elijah at the close of the three and a half years. Elijah was preparing now to go back. And for three and a half years, King Ahab had sent spies out all over the place to hunt for him, and they couldn't find him. And what I told you was that he was not trying to hide. He was in plain sight. 
He was on a mountain. He was over here with a woman and living in her house with a child and the child died. He raised him from the dead. She, she had a room for him to live in. This is the one that he multiplied her, uh, you know, her oil and her, and her grain so that she kept on living for those three and a half years. And, and God supernaturally provided for her in the midst of this devastating, uh, thing that happened to the land. And here with uh, the, uh, the water being withheld, the rain being withheld at that time. And so this drought that he called down, God God saved her from it because he was present. But he went out every day. He went out and ministered, did all the things he was supposed to, and he didn't try to hide, and God hid him in plain sight. I'm sure the spies could have walked right by him and not even known that was Elijah, or they didn't even know he was there. He walked by, and they didn't even see him at all. God supernaturally hid him. I don't know exactly how God did it, but you know what? I don't care. It simply speaks to us. We are to literally hide in plain sight. Quit trying to hide yourself in your house and close the doors and pull the blinds down and just pray for the rapture to happen. That's not what God has called us to do. He has called us to occupy till he comes. Like an army occupying a land, we are to take over this land and we are to tell people in the land about the Lord Jesus Christ and keep preaching his message. Will there come a day when our nation will end? Probably so. The Bible doesn't even say we are in the tribulation as far as the nation is concerned. And whenever Jesus Christ comes, back, our nation is not addressed. In the meantime, as long as I'm here, I'm going to trust God for signs, wonders, miracles, and open doors to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so people can be coming into the kingdom of God. Listen, while I'm here on this earth, I want people to be saved. I come back to the greatest thing God gave us, and that is to be those who witness for Jesus Christ. Before Jesus left, twice he said this in one phrase, once about evangelism and the other about discipleship. So we have it here that God is telling him that. And we ended yesterday talking about the fact that Elijah loved his country, but he hated what Ahab and Jezebel and Satan had done to Israel. And so when Elijah saw Ahab and Jezebel dismantling the country, given to the people by God, he was enraged. Elijah left the brook, which was drying up because of the curse he had placed on the land and he had called to be a prophet. And he ended up as a guest in the home of a widow and her son. And the Lord performed a miracle and the meal and oil didn't fail until the time of the drought ended. Next, he raised that boy from the dead. Elijah should have had a national ministry by now. Israel could use someone to multiply grain and oil and raise people from the dead. The drought had reduced the food and people were dying. God kept Elijah's ministry a secret for a reason and the time was now coming for Elijah to come on the scene. A greater miracle then food multiplying and a boy being brought back from the dead had been occurring in the ministry of Elijah. Trained assassins were told in every country to kill Elijah and they had all been sent out by King Ahab. The greatest miracle was that Elijah had been hidden in plain sight by the Holy Spirit for three and a half years. What a wonderful testimony to God. I'm not trying to hide myself. I'm gonna go preach the gospel of Jesus and depend on God, the great one who can hide me from the world to shelter me during this time. I'm not trusting in myself, in my own wits, in my own ideas to try to protect myself. I'm gonna let God be my protector. And the Lord even told us, he said, I will be your protector. I will be your shield. I will be your fortress. He's the one who promised he would watch over us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. In our churches, 
In the past, we've seen signs and wonders and miracles that should have brought front page news to our city, but God has still hidden us in plain sight and is now about to bring us out for the world to see, I believe, stronger than ever in the days to come where sin abounds, grace will much more abound, and what the world is doing to try to hide God and and make their own agenda, that God's going to pull back the curtain and allow them to see righteousness and the power of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that's in this earth today. The background for chapter 18 here where Elijah is began in verse 1 when the Lord told Elijah it was time for him to come out of the open before King Ahab. The drought was ending and Elijah now would announce it to Ahab and the prophet Obadiah had been working for the king but hiding the prophets of the Lord in a cave and feeding them. Obadiah met Elijah and told him all that he had done to protect the Lord's prophets. And it came back to this, God was using Obadiah, but the point of it was it was still the power of God which caused them not to be caught and not to be captured and taken and killed. So Elijah was one of them. Now Elijah is going to stand up before Ahab again. And this time, oh yes, just as he had simply called and said, it will not rain for three and a half years. Quite the opposite is going to happen this time in a dramatic form that is going to stop. That drought will come to a drastic end on the day that he stands before the king, the queen, and all the prophets of Baal. And we are going to see an answer of fire from heaven followed by an abundance of rain falling from heaven. All I can say is I'm thankful I'm on God's side. Can you say that? If you're not on God's side, you know what you need to do? Just open up your heart. Say, Jesus, I've never received you as the Lord of my life, but I accept you now as my Savior. I accept you as my Lord. I commit my life totally to you, and I do this in Jesus' name. Well, it's time for halftime. I will see you right after the break. This fascinating character study of the life of Elijah the prophet will both inspire and challenge your Christian faith. Join Pastor Bob Yandian for this in-depth 16-lesson series, which will take you on a journey of constant change. Follow Elijah from the brook of Kareth to calling down fire from heaven, then running in fear from Jezebel, hiding in fear alone in a cave, and in the end, with the appearance of horses and chariots of fire, Elijah is taken to heaven in a whirlwind. In studying the life of Elijah, we find many important topics to learn from, including faith, persistence, repentance, miracles, prayer, and overcoming fear. To order The Life of Elijah, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, 
visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. The announcer's already come on and told you how that you can have a copy, a flash drive of my series on the life of Elijah. I want you to have this. This is a great series and it's again, the life of Elijah. And again, the blessing will be when you can take this, the story I'm giving you and put it in the context of the entire calling of him. And one of my favorite parts is the closing of his ministry and how he turns it over to Elisha, how Elisha just picks up the same ministry. And the last miracle that Elijah performed is the first miracle that Elisha performed. He just picks up where Elijah left off. And of course, we realize that that Elijah's ministry was not over. He just forfeited it by his talking to God and in rebellion. And I don't want to finish this. And I, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. That, that sympathy that he was trying to get from God and God's fine told him, okay, Turned over to somebody else, you'll find him plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen. So you'll be blessed by this. And again, I told you yesterday, I want to remind you again today, I think the best place to listen to these uh, flash drives or CDs or whatever is in the car. Because to me, that's the most wasted time. You're always looking for time that's, that, you know, you can really sit down and concentrate while you're driving. Instead of thinking about your cell phone, instead of thinking about classic rock, instead of thinking about country Western music, instead of thinking about talk radio, just turn all that off. To me, it's okay once in a while, but I get tired of the same songs over and over again. Or the, the, they start a, a, you know, a, a talk show with some something, and then they talk about the entire 30 minutes or whatever. All I'm telling you is you start plugging in the Word of God, and you're going to be feeding yourself, and you'll come across great revelation. Whatever this thing costs is nothing compared to one revelation from the Word of God. So be sure and do that. And then if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobbyandian.com, and join me as a partner to help get the message that I'm preaching and teaching out to others. And it's a great blessing. Let's go to the lame man at the gate. Beautiful. Turn to Acts chapter four. We're going to just read a, a pretty long, lengthy section of scripture here. But what it is going to be is the man at the gate, beautiful, was healed in chapter three of the book of Acts. Peter and John were walking by a man that had been there the whole time. And even there when Jesus was there, but he had not been healed. And now his time for healing had come. And uh, Peter and John talked to him. And of course, we know the story that uh, they just reached down and picked him up by the hands and they told him in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. He did, he went walking and leaping and praising God and then went to church with them. That's the great commission. Get him saved first. That takes signs and wonders sometimes. Laying hands on a sick person, Jesus did it. The disciples did it. You can do it. And again, he laid hands on them and this man was healed. And then the, the next thing was after he was saved, he went to church with them. That's, that should be immediately happening. We get people saved, they should follow us into the temple just like this man did with Peter and John. But 
the story is, is that uh, when Peter and John had laid hands on them, oh, suddenly their reputation went everywhere. Great reverence for the new movement of, of Christianity came everywhere. And they immediately, they dragged these two in before the Sanhedrin and chewed them out and told them, don't you dare do this. And they used their political and religious authority to try to get them to turn on the word of God. And they would not do it. There is no force. There is no false ministry in this earth. There's no false religion. There's no political system that is ever big enough for me to turn against God. God created all these things. He created government. He created these positions, but evil people fill them sometimes. And we need to, again, see past the the uh, the position and see the belief of the person that's in there because they can't use it to try to turn me away from God, the creator and my redeemer. So when they brought them in, here's what they said to them in chapter four and verse seven. And we're gonna go down through verse 20. Here it says, when they set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people, elders of Israel, we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, that's the church. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through by and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we can't deny it but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. That from now on, they speak to no man in this name. So they called them in and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and the things that we have heard. In other words, it came back to this. They were brought in and told not to preach again. They used their political power and they used their religious position to try to come and literally take over against God. They didn't say it. Peter and John turned around and said it back to them. You're trying to take the place of God. You're trying to shove God out of the way. The very God you say you serve the very God you say that has brought you this religion of Judaism, the very God that brought you the law that you read and study after, he brought you these and now you're trying to shove him out of the way and stand in his place and tell us we can't preach in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the one that you have been preaching against and talking is, we have found him to be exactly what he said he is. He is the son of God come to this earth, the Messiah that's been prophesied of and he came and you missed him. Boy, they got mad at them for saying things like this. Just boiling upset with them. And so that's when they told him, no, listen, we're going to tell you this. 
Well, you know, you go back to your service, you do that, but don't you dare get to the streets and talk. That's the way they're telling us today. Basically this, just keep your religion in your church, but don't take it outside of your church. Listen, this is, goes directly against the word of God. He didn't say go into all the churches and preach the gospel. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now you can preach the gospel in church, but really church is not the major place where the gospel is preached. That's where disciples are made and that's where the word is taught. But sure, yes, we again mention the gospel because many sinners come to church. But of your congregation, maybe only two or 3% on a Sunday is not saved. Give an opportunity for them to find Jesus as Lord and Savior. But the rest of the time, we are ministering to believers to help raise them up and make strong disciples out of them. The two parts to the Great Commission, number one, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Whoever believes shall be saved. Whoever does not believe will be damned. Number two, go into all the world and teach them. All nations making disciples out of them. So teach them what I have taught you, Jesus said. And that way they become not only born again, but they become disciples. Paul demonstrated this so strongly in Ephesus in chapter 19 and chapter 20 of the book of Acts. He came to Ephesus and preached the gospel. There were signs, wonders, miracles, prayer clause, people getting healed, devils cast out. And by the hundreds of thousands, people accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Paul also began to raise up churches. We don't know this in chapter 19. We find out about in chapter 20 that during that entire revival, he was also setting up churches in homes. And that's why he said, I have taught you in public meetings and also from house to house. Public meetings was in the school of Tyrannus and that's where people got saved and healed and ministered to with salvation. And then after that, they were brought to church and that's where they were discipled. And people now, basically what Paul had brought, they now received. Paul had come in preaching the gospel and helping to form churches and make disciples. That's what they were to do after that. The very ministry that Paul had was now given to them. And even though Paul had this calling on his life to do this, the people now can pick it up because the ministry becomes so strong and so large. So it comes back to this. I say this as Paul was a minister, as Elijah was a prophet of the Old Testament, they had the word of God. I just want to simply say this to you. We often use the word prophet today, and we always, I'd say 90% of the time, 95% of the time, we think of as a prophet as someone who prophesies of the future. And that is partly true. That's part of their ministry. But really a prophet is a proclaimer. He can be a preacher of any kind. Oh yes, a minister can fall under that category. A pastor can fall under that category. But a prophet is mainly one who preaches because there were many prophets in the Old Testament who did not write scripture. And, there were, and they didn't prophesy of future events yet to come, but they were preachers among the people. And the same is true in the New Testament. Oh, we have Agabus the prophet who spoke of future coming events and mentioned a drought that was coming to Jerusalem and, and the people were supposed to help and prophesied to Paul how he would be arrested and taken in by the uh, Romans and taken in and put in prison. He told about all those different things. But yet on the other hand, what did he do during the meantime, between the time? He probably just taught the word of God. So a prophet can also be a preacher, one who is a pastor. He proclaims the word of God. He might tell about future events that's written in the word of God, but yet he's still, we would put it under that simple general category of a prophet. I ask you this, how can you call yourself a prophet of God and not correct the king? It happened throughout the word of God. How can you call yourself a minister of God today and not correct the king? but I'm afraid I'm gonna lose people in the church. Of course you will. 
But that's not why you have church, to try to just keep people in there. And you keep catering, catering, catering to the people's needs. And after a while, you start losing people. Well, who am I going to lose after that? The ones who really want you to correct the king. The ones that want you to stand up for the word of God and preach and teach the word of God. And there's so many great people doing it today, and I applaud them. The leaders of Israel have just declared it's a crime to heal the sick or preach in the name of Jesus. I simply ask you this. Is it illegal for government to use their money to help Christians get heroines off of drugs? Well, no, not necessarily, though the results for Christians are 87% by preaching the gospel and getting people saved and getting people discipled compared to the government results of 3%. In other words, Christians always have better results than the world system. Peter told them to their face, they were the problem, not the disciples, not the message or the name of Jesus. We like Peter must choose to serve God and not men. God started the church and its miracle ministry so neither Satan nor any human government can stop it. We preach the gospel and teach the word which will live and abide forever. Therefore, because our message is eternal and will outlive the messages of religion, Satan, or the world, we will be found preaching it when all other kingdoms are gone. The word of God lives and abides forever. Stand up for what is eternal, not what is temporary. Stand up for the kingdom of God and the preaching of the word of God, not the governments of men. We will see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.